Hello, and welcome to Coffee and Comics. I'm Todd A. I am Taylor Drask. Hey, Todd. Hello. Today, uh, we got another special episode because we are talking about Avengers Infinity War. Yes, it has come out. It's out. It's it's here after all this time. I know. I Seriously, like Thursday was sort of walking around, you know, my uh, apartment going, I can't believe I get to go see this tonight. This yeah. is going to be so cool. So, uh, But as we always do on Coffee and Comics, we talk about the coffee we're drinking. And I have already spoiled Taylor on this. <laughs> I'm not drinking coffee. <laughs> got some, uh, I got the gunmetal green tea again. Um, mostly out of pure laziness and forgetfulness. I did not make coffee in order to um, refrigerate it and have iced coffee this morning, and I did not get up early enough to go get any coffee. What about you, Taylor? <laughs> well, I am drinking coffee for the first time now. Um, this is kind of the the last of some some dark roast beans. I actually don't know where the beans came from. I'm sure I referenced them on a previous episode, but I'm, I'm actually down again to like kind of the last dregs of stuff. So I found these, made a good French press for Rachel and I, and I am still on that. Threw a little bit of a heavy whipping cream in too. If you have, if you have any need for cream and sugar or milk, like I used to be one of those guys who put skim milk in my coffee all the time. Like every time I went to Starbucks, it was like a Pike's place, you know, three fourths full, and then the rest was skim milk. I realize now that was a terrible idea. Like the best cream is heavy whipping cream, especially for dark coffee. It just it. It gives you enough fat content. It balances out the taste. It actually makes poor coffee taste really good too. So if you are interested in trying something new, go down to the store, grab some heavy whipping cream. It's like a buck or two a piece and they last a while and just pop that in. Nice. Um, Probably not as good in my tea though. No, probably not. No. (laughs) Actually, one of the interesting things about this is uh, I I had a a gunpowder tea before um, that I really liked that was super strong and it was like- so strong that well, it wasn't even the one I'd had on our episode um, where you would I, I would have to put some milk in it and maybe a little like honey or something. But mm-hmm. this one is just really smooth. Like I'm not doing anything to it, um, which like almost makes me suspicious of like, am I getting all the caffeine I really deserve? Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, so uh, in <laughs> I just noticed in our show notes. You have notes in the coffee section that I think are about the movie. <laughs> so oh, shoot. Do I really? down oh. And I was like, oh, that's funny. Um, Sorry. Right. So uh, as we mentioned, we are doing Infinity War. Uh, we are also going to talk a little bit about Infinity Gauntlet, which we would probably claim is like the closest, you know, parallel or like, you know, def- I mean, all these like, of course, it's one of those things where uh marvel has a comic like infinity gauntlet that's a a big showpiece and then that catches on and now there's like a million infinity titles you know and have been for the past 20 years or whatever but um i would say gauntlet is probably the one that started it all and yeah we're going to talk about the you know what the movie draws from that source material and some other things with the comic but um you don't need to have read the comic to you know, be interested in the conversation we're about to have, but you should also definitely have seen the movie because we are just not going to warn you about spoilers. We're just oh, no, this talk is, spoilers. Yeah. This is your last chance. There's no way to talk about this without spoiling practically everything. Um, so maybe, maybe one, maybe right before the last chance, would you recommend this movie? Let's we could start out with that. Oh yeah, definitely. If if you're a casual fan or if you've seen every you know most of if not all of the movies from the last ten years, definitely go. Yeah. It's it's totally where I mean it's totally worth the time. See it on a big screen. See it with um as as good a sound as you can get. 
Um, I saw it on a Dolby the- uh, a Dolby theater and was um, very pleased that I did so. So yeah, def- definitely go and yeah. see it. We're, we'll we'll dissect whether it, it was as good as it could have been, in my opinion, or if it was better than it could have been. Like Ooh. we'll dis- we'll dissect all that. I already, but, uh, I already I hear say, yeah. fighting words from Taylor. <laughs> I know. I, so yeah, go see it because I'm not going to be. I'm, I'm going to play the antagonist a little bit in this in this review and just because there's some deep questions I think need to be asked, especially at this juncture for Disney slash Marvel. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, if you haven't seen it, please go see it. It's so yeah, worth I, it. I would say the same. Like it's. Uh, I mean, the, my only um, hesitation is if you've never seen an Avengers movie. Yes. First of all, who are you? But <laughs> yeah. Secondly. Yeah. Like this, this is probably not going to make, I mean, I guess it would, it would, you would get the movie and you could enjoy it, but it's like, there are so many connections here that I think you only appreciate when you've seen most of, if not all the Avengers movies. But other than that, now the spoilers curtain is drawn, uh, be warned. Yeah. <laughs> get out. If you haven't seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last chance, last chance, last chance for spoilers. <laughs> last chance. <laughs> Train is leaving. So, uh, um, yeah, I, w- one thing we were going to do was really – we have another podcast that we uh, often do with our friend Emily Kelly Cunin, um, and called Wednesday in Westeros, where we talk about every episode of Game of Thrones. And in that, we sort of jump place to place. We don't always go in order of the episode. We go in location spots because it's easier to sort of sum up the whole story that happens in that spot. And Taylor made this great observation that Infinity War does – you know, a lot of the same thing. In other words, there's like sort of the entire ensemble is not always together, you know? Mm. So that's how we're going to run this episode is sort of hop from spot to spot and talk about those locations in the film and, um, you know, the story and et cetera. Uh, but yeah, you should also check out Wednesday in Westeros. Um, that's the podcast name. You can find it in all your favorite podcast places. Currently and- on hiatus until they decide to <laughs> Until yeah, we all, gets the season done, which is coming next year, not this year. So we have all these grand ideas to like go back and review every episode that you know we've missed because we only started in season five or something like that. Or yeah, six, seven, eight. No, um, it was five. It was five because five was the really. I think five was the that really bad one. That yeah, just, it's, you're right. Started. It was five. Um, so we've done five, six, seven. That's correct. Three, yeah, with, with a smattering of because remember we started when the Todd and Taylor show first started. Yeah. We were we had the ad hoc Game of Thrones episode over season four once in a while. Ooh, and then, uh, yeah. And then we we're just like, let's just make a show out of this. And then that it's like, yeah. Wednesday in Westeros. It's like one of us has the time stone and I don't even know <laughs> where we are right now. So uh, let's there talk 14 about million possibilities, Todd, of when that could have started. <laughs> let's talk about those first reactions. Uh, you already mentioned you saw it in Adobe theater. What were the other circumstances? Um, I intentionally didn't want to do 3d because I just felt like that. I, I need to see it kind of in its purest form. I think 3d works when it's intentionally made for 3d a la Coraline or avatar. This wasn't. Um, so as much as I'm sure, I'm sure it was fun in 3d, but I didn't want to see that. I just wanted great, crisp, clear screen and really good sound. And the, uh, theater that I saw Blade Runner 2049 in has a Dolby theater. I remember really enjoying that experience. And so I, I hunted for that. I found an 1145 AM on a Saturday morning ticket that was still available and, uh, grabbed that and, and went on in. And so I, it was, it was really the optimal experience. You know, I had the, I had a reserved seat. I had, the, you know, I could lay back in the seat and all that kind of good stuff too, but it was the screen and the sound was, was a perfect combination. Now, did you, you, you kind of alluded to this, but you did, uh, 11:45 because of the, uh, it worked for you or really because of seat choice was everything else sold out. 
a little bit of both. I mean, most of it had been sold out. I mean, there's no way I was going to open a night. I, I missed that train. It's we've come a long way from when you could just, you know, get your ticket the day or two before and go to midnight, you know, the midnight opening and, and all that. Now it's like, you got to basically like three months beforehand. It's like a God dang Justin Bieber concert. Like you got to get your ticket, um, reserve it. Remember, remember, remember you've, you know, reserved and all that kind of good stuff. So Thursday night was out Friday, Friday, all day was out Saturday morning. was kind of like the first availability with a seat that wasn't terrible. And, um, I didn't want to go. I wanted to go to that particular theater though, too. It's, it's kind of become my new summer movie theater in Denver. And so I wanted to really kind of kick things off the right way with that, uh, that screening. Cool. I, that's interesting because, um, so I went to, uh, so like whenever tickets went on sale, yeah. um, the, the sort of uh, comic con crew that I, you know, I'm on a group text with that we all talk about uh, geeky stuff. And, um, you know, there was a suggestion like, let's, you know, let's all see it individually and then let's do like a, you know, a barbecue at someone's house and and we can all review it and kind of talk about it. But we know we're going in like you're going to get spoiled. So don't come to this barbecue. Unless, <laughs> you know, you've seen I love it. that idea, um, which we've had to push off because uh, one of these guys is just a real slacker and not <laughs> going. Name names, Todd. Name him. Name him now. <laughs> it's Chris Martin of Coldplay. Ah, of um, course. And uh, he, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Chris can't make it. Um, but uh, that threw me off. So anyway, so when the suggestion went out, I bought my ticket and I was like, well, shit, I better buy it for as soon as I, you know, like the earliest time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I bought it at a theater that's like really close to my house. So I didn't really mind the opening night thing. But mm-hmm. even like maybe Wednesday night or Thursday, I, I had that feeling of like, God, do I want to see an opening night like Thursday, you know, uh, movie where it's going to be jam packed. There's probably going to be one of those dumb things where they have you wait outside, you know, to get into the theater. And I, I was just sort of dreading it. I almost, I, I oh, bought on Fandango. So I thought about just switching it to an afternoon show, you know? See, and I love all that. I miss all that. I used to do like that. The midnight screenings, like the opening night, midnight screenings with all the sort of theatrics around it. I actually, I was telling Rachel yesterday, I'm like, I, I kind of miss that. And for the most part, most theaters don't even do a midnight show anymore. It's like, 8 p.m. Thursday night. Well, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't do midnight. I did seven. Yeah, <laughs> seven yeah. p.m. But that was the first show, so I ah, thought like okay. for sure it's going to be jammed. Um, so anyway, I that it's funny that you say that because so I, I roll up and there's all these people outside, and it, my first reaction was oh, the suckers that didn't buy their tickets. I'm just going to walk right through with my Fandango app, you know. <laughs> uh, Coffee and comics brought to you by Fandango. That's right. Um, no, actually, <laughs> but we would love that. Um, so I, I walk inside and I hear the person in front of me say, we're, uh, we're not letting anyone in until 710. And I was like, come on. And then they look at mine and they like at my app, this is a weird thing where they don't have a scanner. They type in a code and then they hand you a ticket and he hands me a ticket. And he's like, theater three. And <laughs> I'm like, why are all these people standing outside? Hmm. They're not even there for infinity war. <laughs> Wait, what, what were they there for? <laughs> a film festival. Oh, wow. So, yeah, but I have in my mind, I'm like, yeah, there's all these people here that they're making wait. So I'm walking in and it's like me and two 12-year-olds in front of me. Oh. Uh, and they're they're the ones talking about Infinity War. And it's in the big theater. It was Dolby Atmos. This was my first uh, Dolby Atmos experience. And you had talked about really loving it for Blade Runner. So I made sure like to do that theater, you know? Yeah. Um, so I go in uh, and even up until like, you know, when the showtime is you know, whatever it was, I guess showtime, maybe it was seven, seven twenty, whatever that thing is, you know, you've got 20 minutes of previews, mm-hmm. but it's showtime. 
the entire row in front of me was empty. Wow. And I was in row G. So I wasn't like, I, oh. there's no way I chose G, which is not too far back, but I didn't choose it. Um, uh, I would have gone closer even, you know, I know I chose that seat because it had been sold out except for this one single seat. Yeah. The three or four seats next to me never showed up. Wow. I know. Maybe, I couldn't believe it. Maybe it was like a, a, a convent of nuns or something who were going out <laughs> going out for like a field trip and they just never, they're like, oh, well, this is not what we should be watching. And they just didn't well, show yeah. up or something. Until that row in front of me showed up like right before the movie started. I, that's what I thought. I was like, oh yeah, some school or some, you know, some group has bought an entire row. Yeah. Or like a company, you know, yeah, yeah. but they, but some of them showed up or, or people moved into, it, I don't know. Anyway, that being said, everyone else was like excited to the point of being like kind of rowdy. And I, I was sort of in that feeling of like, Hey, everybody shut up. We- <laughs> oh, okay. See, you and I are very different. Like I, I go to opening night movies wanting all of that. Like I want, I want people to be shouting out at the screen and clapping and like I give me the whole thing. That's for me, that's the whole point of opening night for a big summer movie. It's like it's true, it's true. Yeah, I was out of my element. I fully acknowledge that. That's not <laughs> I wait. Now I don't want to go see Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy and have that happen. Like that's not the appropriate <laughs> response for that. But like for something Get like it, this. Taylor. <laughs> you go, Tinker. <laughs> Come on, Gary Oldman! Yeah, yeah. Oh God, that would just be terrible. So, was your theater kind of rowdy? Were they were they clapping and laughing and like shouting and stuff? No, I was actually I was sort oh. of disappointed in that respect because I kind of okay. I was wanting that, and there was it was a mixed age. I mean, there was everything yeah. from five to to seventy five, which was a little interesting to see, like you know, an older couple in there. I'm like, you guys know what this is, right? You knew what you were signing up for. Maybe they did. I don't I don't know, but it was you know, it was pretty much subdued. It's packed, jam packed. Yeah. Um, and that was good. And you, you could feel some energy, but it was, you know, it was very just regular run of the mill weekend moviegoers. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, mine was, mine was that kept up through the movie. I mean, the only thing like they were, to, they were perfectly nice about it, but there was that feeling of like when it's about to start and the, you know, several mm-hmm. younger people behind me just kept talking and I was like, oh, oh yeah, up, that you know? sucks. it wasn't, yeah. yeah, it wasn't. But once the film started, the rowdiness was totally appropriate. Like, yeah, hey. it was, you know, different heroes showing up and people shouting for them. And clapping. by the way, quick, quick shout out Um, the trailers. I don't know if you saw the same trailers I did, but the new trailer for Jurassic World um totally sold me on that movie the new trailer for solo looked make sold me on that movie <laughs> and then strangely that latest trailer i was going to see deadpool 2 anyway but that oh. latest deadpool 2 uh, deadpool 2 trailer where um i think it's like at the very end like they're because they're doing the superhero the the team auditions at the very end there's like this regular guy like named gary or steve or something it's like and who are you i'm just gary i just saw an ad like you're in and like they show that like that made me want to see that too I don't know why they were saving these best trailers for last, but I was kind of like, I kind of got excited for the summer movie season. I was like, oh my God, I was, I didn't really give a crap about Jurassic World and Solo looked a little muddled to me or muddy. And I was just like this, I'm ready to go. Anyway, just quick huh. shout out. Yeah, I, uh, I only had the Solo trailer of those mentioned, um, but I'd seen it online and I have seen those other two trailers. So, I mean, I was already in the, in the tank for all of those. Got it. <laughs> that Deadpool one though. <laughs> sorry no that's a good um, one that's good yeah ryan reynolds uh, uh tweeted out um uh, this picture of like a form letter from the avengers this morning um <laughs> that uh was like addressed to to uh deadpool saying like uh, you know it's like <laughs> regarding your request to join the avengers no no way <laughs> not a chance go ask professor x yeah 
Uh, I love that. Um, anyway, uh, where where do you want to jump into this? Like, um, I mean, we've already kind of hinted at. Would you recommend seeing it? And you hinted that you might have some, uh, you know, some uh, criticisms of it. But I would say I was just blown away through the whole thing, mostly just in awe of the feat that Marvel has pulled off. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, I I enjoyed every minute of it in a unprecedented. Um, totally cannot stress how unprecedented this is uh, event. I did not get up to pee during this movie. So uh, <laughs> when I saw the runtime, I was like, man, I, I'll, there's no way I will absolutely have to get up in the middle of that movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, usually I don't have to actually, this is one of the first times in a movie I've had to get up and pee. Oh, so was, no. funny, there's three of us sitting like the, I and the two guys sitting to my left. We must have all been thinking the same thing because we all got up at exactly the same time, which is the least interesting part of the movie to go pee. And we all like ran, like we all like jogged over because the bathroom's way the hell on the other side of the theater. Jogged over, did our thing, jogged back, and like kind of made it like, okay, we didn't miss much. Good, good, good. It was it was that scene where uh uh they all go, they basically regroup at Avengers headquarters and see uh see Rhodey. Like right then we're like, okay, let's go, let's go, yeah. everybody go. Um no, I I here's the thing, like if it's a little different. If you haven't seen the last four or five Marvel movies, you probably you really need to do that first. Like if you haven't seen Civil War, if you haven't seen Black Panther, you kind of need to because unlike that first Avengers movie, they don't do they don't they don't spend any time getting you up to speed with where all the characters are. No. Remember the first Avengers? It's like, hey, here's Tony. You may not know him, but he's they, they kind of give you like an intro. So if you'd never seen the first, you know, the first four or five movies up to that point. Um, you could at least go in cold and catch up and, and enjoy it and go, oh, I see. This one doesn't do that. It just drops you right in. Like to the point where, I mean, it's it would be very jarring if you haven't seen Thor Ragnarok because it jump, it starts uh, yeah, totally. right there. You know, it's like, it, so you really do have to have seen at least a couple of these, which is kind of my first, I mean, yeah, the, the feat, it is, it is impressive that they could build a ecosystem, an un-ecosystem to allow them to do that. Yeah. On the same token, I feel bad for those people who are just kind of wandering in cold off the streets or like maybe they haven't seen one since Iron Man 3, you know, a couple, you know, back in 2012 or 2013. Maybe they haven't if they haven't seen those and they're just like, "Oh, what what?" Like it would be a little jarring. Yeah. Um, it's not like they're all on um sort of uh independent missions, which is like a superhero mm-hmm. trope, you know, yeah. like you see the you know, one guy solving his crime and then the you know the the other superhero do you know solving their crime or whatever. And this was like right in the middle of things. Like, yeah. Yeah. It picked up and honestly answered a bunch of the questions we had just about the creation of Ragnarok. And yeah, you know, I'd be interested to go back and listen to our own podcast on that because I think at the time we were wondering how much like, uh, you know, Taika uh, YTT was able to, you know, to like improvise that story. Mm-hmm. And I think what, you know, what we came up with was, well, I, you know, I bet he, I bet they said like, he's got to end in this place, yeah. you know, that yeah. sort of thing. And, and that was absolutely true. Cause it just, it just freaking starts in that place, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and it wasn't with- even like, and it wasn't even the ending before the credits of Thor. It was the, the teaser scene at the end of Thor Ragnarok yeah. that leads right into this. So it really, it's not even that, oh, you know, some of the elements from that movie you'll see here. It's like, no, no, you had to have watched yeah. to the very end to even see where this one begins. So just that, just that being that bold. Yeah. Um, you know, they've earned that, that right to do that. And they've, sure. you know, they've trained the audience over 10 years. So that it makes sense. It's just, it's, so that was impressive. I'll also say too the aesthetic and the design of this movie is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, 
just the 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 amount of st- you know like even those even something as basic as you know when we saw the trailers and we we saw those donut you know donut kind of things in the sky um yeah, yeah. and we all i think everybody sort of universally thought they were portals and they ended up being just regular ships off of thanos's mothership um and that's it so just like little things like that's like oh that's that's interesting you know it's not a just conventional you know ship hanging out in the sky it's like it looks like this and here's why and it, it does this so just that kind of choice and the the thought and, and care that went into the, to the, uh, the design i would also say too i was blown away by how easily they were able to maintain the aesthetic of each independent franchise so that when you see oh, yeah. tony stark like it felt it feels like the continuation of an iron man movie when you see dr strange like like the tone the colors the, the locations the the um the nature of the dialogue you know yeah, the amount the, of jokes i was gonna say like the writing was so, like the these characters it, it just felt like the writers of their individual movies wrote their lines here yeah, because yeah. it wasn't one of those things where, you know, you feel like, Oh, it's a, uh, a Batman movie that someone else is directing. And he, mm-hmm. it, you know, he just talks differently. Like his, you know, it doesn't feel the same. This felt like, no, they're all, <laughs> they're all talking. Like we know they talk and they're all joking. Like we know they joke. And, and of course the actors are doing an awesome job of just being, those characters and coming together with each other. It was, ah, it was it even, was even like when we see the guardians of the galaxy for the first time and it kicks into it's, before you see yeah. them, you hear the, the, you know, the 70 song. You're like, well, of course we're going to see them. Like you just, yeah, that you, it felt like it, it felt like you had switched the channel to a guardians of the galaxy movie, <laughs> you know, or when they went to Wakanda, it's like, Oh, we're watching black Panther the, two now, you know, oh, man. Just, and every time uh, one of those locations opened up and we knew what we were about to get, like when the Guardians song kicked in, then the, my audience cheered, yeah, and like clapped. It was like watching like a you know a, a beloved performer on a stage, you know, when they make an appearance, <laughs> at like a, you know, an opera yeah. or a play or something. Like people were just uh, like applauding, you know, when Wakanda it, before the word even came up, just when you yeah. knew they were flying into Wakanda. Uh, yeah. And same, yeah, it was just uh, that was so awesome, like to. <laughs> get like individual <laughs> i don't know what you would call it but just those like acknowledgements of individual characters from the audience like woo it's black panther <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and it was and and, and you yeah, know that my theater had i think my theater clapped when steve emerged from the shadows for the first time that was that yeah. was one with the because up till that point it was just like oh you'd hear a couple little like yay but it, that was when like universal everybody's like yeah yeah which was interesting because i didn't realize captain america had become that sort of cemented in Marvel lore as like, yeah, you know, he's been around. We've had what? 10 ish, not 10 years. When did the first adventure come out? 2010, 2011, maybe, uh, maybe 2010, maybe so seven or eight years. Yeah. And, and, and granted Chris Evans has done great, but they clapped as though like, this, you know, he's been playing the role since the eighties. You know, it's just like, yeah. <laughs> so here's the thing I want to get through before we, ju- we dive into the breakdown. Uh, like I said, I love the aesthetic. I loved, you know, like execution wise, with the exception of some really lazy CGI at the end, which we'll get to, like I, I thought was was just, I mean, just it looked great, right? I mean, just like the effects, the, the just the level of movie making involved um, was just outstanding. And you can see too, go back and, and watch the very first Iron Man, which was great. You know, it looked great, but you can see how far just the technical side oh, yeah. of, of the Marvel world has, has come. Here's the thing that I want to kind of thread through this entire episode. Um, and this is, and I've gone back and forth in my mind about this. As impressive as it was, and as much as you loved it, and 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 by and large, let's be honest, most people have the same reaction you did. They love it. 
you know, just uh, unequivocally, it was it was an amazing feat. Everybody's appreciative of that. But I have this sort of issue and the, the kind of tingling sensation in the back of my mind that <laughs> that this is a movie that had to exist under very strict circumstances, both creatively and financially. Like it had to be it only it, we got the movie we got only because of everything that came before. And like, it had to feature these characters and it had to feature this much airtime and screen time. And it had to ha- have these elements. Like it was, it had been written over the last 10 years, which is fine, but it, it removed from me some of the serendipity and surprise that I would have, I would have otherwise expected. Right. Like when the first Iron Man came out, we had no idea Nick Fury was going to pop up at the end and go, I have, you know, let me talk to you about the Avengers initiative. You know, that we just didn't that I mean that was a, a, a true revelation. Like we didn't know if Tony Stark was gonna, you know, uh, reveal that he's Iron Man at the at the very end of that movie. And likewise with some of the ones that, that have come after, like there was some there was a sense of of like uncertainty and and you know, where's this going? What you know, what's gonna happen? By the time we by the time this movie kicks off, it's like it was in my mind, it was so predetermined. I I had no problem, and I told you ahead of time that I looked at the ending because I wanted to know. Yeah, based that's... on all the marketing materials, like I, I had no issue spoiling this for myself because I'm like, look, most of this movie is pretty much predetermined. Like, I am not very little of this is going to surprise me. I, I went and enjoyed it for the execution and you know, like you know, to enjoy the dialogue and and how we get to that point. But I had no issue cracking open the spoilers and going, okay, does he get all the Infinity Stones? Like, does this end with him winning? Um, which yes, it does. And I wanted to know that because like the entire movie, I'm just going to be, if this ends with him getting just two, two stones, it's going to be pretty like, I'm just going to be trying to triangulate that the whole time. And all the marketing materials have shown him with, you know, just the, uh, the time stone and power stone, the blue and the purple ones, which was really clever by the way, because in, in all the CGI, they added the other ones. So there were scenes in the trailer where, you know, his, the gauntlet just has the two and clearly in the movie, it's got more than that. So it was, Interesting. It was kind of clever on their part, but I, I had to know that because I'm like, okay, wh- what is this going to be with two hours and a half? Like, what are they going to do? So I, th- <laughs> it didn't didn't ruin it for me at all to, to know that that was coming. I didn't know who was going to die along the way. I knew there was. I mean, clearly there was going to be deaths, right? Like if you <clears throat> if you have any notion whatsoever about what Thanos is up to from a character standpoint, you know, it, if you watched any Marvel movie up to this point that references an infinity stone, you know, what's coming, you know, someone's going to die. People are going to die. An event movie this big is not going to let just everybody live and have a happy ending. It was going to go wrong. So you knew that going in, but I think even on a deeper level, I, it just, I felt like the matrix of like Disney's matrix that they have built has some, some very hardened rules engineered that you can't get around. Well, I mean, to me, the accomplishment is that they were able to pull it all off in this beautiful movie, knowing that, you know, this could have been way more formulaic. Um, I I mean, it it could have looked like the Justice League, which was garbage, Um, you know, uh, so as you were saying that, I'm thinking of uh, a hero of the pod, uh, Pin Gillette, who um, he, uh, (laughs) you know, he has this thing that he says about um uh about practice and magic tricks and how he wants to go see a magic trick that he knows has been done a million times before and it's still going to hook him mm-hmm. you know and to me that was kind of what this was you're right like there's there wasn't a lot of um I, I it's just interesting i mean i my it wasn't exactly surprised but like i was literally in awe the whole time of just 
how how this story was coming together so well. It uh, there weren't a lot of there weren't any to me. Um, granted, on one one screening, like any logical breaks in it. I mean, Civil War was kind of a mess. Like Civil War doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It looks really cool, but it like stuff gets aggravated way too quickly. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, there's two people just beating the hell out of each other, two heroes at the end of it. That's just senseless. And, you know, I mean, it was just, it was difficult for me to watch Civil War and and appreciate it. Like I thought Winter Soldier was great. And then Civil mm-hmm. War was like, ugh. Um, and at the time I really, you know, I, I liked it for what it was, but that's kind of what I, I was afraid of that going into infinity war. So the fact that it never fell into that for me and that mm. they pulled off the trick, yeah, even knowing, you know, uh, some of the, the beats they were going to have to do, that's what really, you know, kept me in awe of all of it. Um, and just like I said, like, I think everybody involved in it was, you know, just, just a powerhouse like nobody was slipping you know every actor was doing amazing work and the the writing was fantastic and yeah the cgi up to some things we'll discuss was awesome (laughs) so um i agree with all that i agree with all that yeah i mean i but um i i it's in other instances I would tell you you are like a borderline sociopath for yeah. reading the endings of movies before you see them. But in this case, I understand because you you were a, you thought in your head like if this whole movie is just him like the quest for him to get two infinity stones. Yeah. I, and then it's just a giant cliffhanger to the next Avengers, I'm going to be really frustrated. Yeah. I just want to know that we get somewhere and then you can enjoy the ride. Otherwise, yeah. otherwise, I'm doing the thing I did with Lost, which is constantly in my head writing the script as it's as I'm watching. Going, okay, they have to do this, this, and this to get to this point. Like, that's a massive distraction for me. Like, I for me to slip into and just enjoy the story, I can't. I have to know that we're heading somewhere productive. And well, it's like, and that yeah. just I, knowing that knowing that he ends the movie with, with the fully completed gauntlet, I was like, okay, now I can. I don't have to think about all that. We're, we're we'll get there. Now it's I can just sit back and enjoy the ride of how we get to that point. Yeah, and and like also as as uh, people can hear on our Ragnarok um, episode, you you had kind of had some assumptions of like how the Infinity Stones were going to play into that, mm-hmm. and so you were constantly sort of second guessing as you watched the movie, like wait, where are they going to like how is this going to tie in? Yeah. When are we going to find yeah. that stone? Um, which is an interesting like, I, and at the time I was telling you like, ah, you know, I just didn't even think about it or care about it or whatever. Uh, I never. So I'll, I bring that up to bring up something awesome you said this week, which was, uh, but Marvel has definitely planted those Infinity Stone MacGuffins in yeah. the story. Yeah. And so if you are the person that, you know, that wants to solve that mystery and wants to pursue that MacGuffin, like, yeah, that's kind of on your mind. Like, why are they not putting this together yet? It's just like Lost, though. They they have yeah, intentionally like taught us to pay attention to these things. Yeah. It's not like they were just all, like, ending stinger credits. It's like, no, 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 no. Since Guardians of the Galaxy on, they have actually gone, look, here's an Infinity Stone. Here, here's yeah. another one. These are important. Here's Thanos. Like, they have intentionally built this so that if they if there wasn't going to be that payoff and in, in a way that's interesting. And I was really worried, to your point. Like, I was really worried this was going to end with, well, we beat Thanos. And then, you know, the ending credit is him going, ah, but I know, you know, I have a plan to get the other stones. And it's right. just be like, oh, Christ, really? is. That, see, that's interesting. I really, I think I just didn't uh, worry too much because I, but this uh, all bolsters your other point, which is I kind of thought it was going to end the way it did. <laughs> gotcha. And I'm glad so, it ended. I mean, I'm glad it ended with him winning. 
Because that's, you know, if you think about, if you read uh, Infinity Gauntlet, the original early 90s book, and especially there, right before that story starts, there's an ending where he, where he finishes the Infinity Gauntlet and he snaps his fingers. And that final shot, the final panel is him snapping his fingers and it goes to black. And you're like, oh my God. And then the Infinity Gauntlet sort of graphic novel or series itself starts with him, you know, now what, what does he do now that, he, now that he has all this power? So I figured in some way, like as, as long as I know he's going to complete the gauntlet, it's, you know, what he does with it after that will probably be the next movie. Let's, let's jump in though. Cause I think we'll get, to, we'll get we're, to we're the jumped. ending. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> well, um, um, oh man, I, I, yeah, go ahead. Cause like, I want to, I want to, we'll come back to the ending. Cause I think most of the rest of my consternation, like, the rest of the movie is great. It's the ending where I start to, for me, it kind of starts to fall apart just in my own mind. Um, but I want to build up to that a little bit more and kind of walk through. I, I don't want to just rag on it the whole time. So like we start the whole thing at, at Thor's ship, like we mentioned, right after the events of Ragnarok. And it's everything has gone to hell. We, we hear a um, an emergency distress call from the pilot of the ship. And it's basically everybody's been killed except for Thor, uh, Heimdall, Loki, and the Hulk. And it's got Thanos, and we see for the first time his Black Order, uh, his minions or children of Thanos, kind of standing amongst him. And I, I was introduced to a character I was really unfamiliar with outside of just some some early research before going in, which is uh, in the comics and in the movies, his name is Ebony Maw, but he's the guy who sort of clasps his hands at all times, and he's the one who's he's got that really sort of creepy like pedophile high pitched voice where he's like, he's like, you have all been brought to the feet of Thanos and rejoice in it. Like it's that guy. It's that cult leader kind of sounding guy. I freaking loved that character. Um, there'll be a couple other points where he pops back up again, but as soon as he appeared on screen and then the way they did the CGI of everything, like all the CGI in those opening shots is just beautiful. Like we have come so far from Jar Jar Banks. It's not even like, like we've got characters who look more real than the real characters and they're all CG. Like I, I was just so impressed by that, but um, you know, we see Thanos, he's already got the power stone. And so right away I'm like, okay, are we going to see, you know, last time we saw the power stone, it was on Xandar after the events of the first guardians movie. And they were keeping, you know, the Nova Corps was keeping in, in, in lockdown. So apparently they're all wiped out. Now the Nova Corps is completely gone. Um, he's got the power stone and he's confronting, Thor, Loki, <clears throat> the remainder, you know, the remainder. And we see Heimdall's death, which, you know, I, I, I kind of laughed when Heimdall died. Cause all I was thinking was that how much Idris Elba hates being that character and how, like, <laughs> how much, you know, like as soon as he's dead, it, it, like, I just imagine Idris Elba going, ah, oh, finally, like he's, he, you know, in his mind he's done. But then we see, um, we see Loki's death and right. And this is, this kind of, in the beginning, like right away, I'm thinking, okay, we, we don't see the destruction of Xandar on screen. So right away, Marvel has completely removed the Nova Corps from the canon, which means if we ever want to see, um, what is the, the character? Is it just Nova? Is just the character called Nova? I feel dumb for asking that. I, yeah, I think, I think so. it is. There's a character called Nova yeah. um, who, you know, everybody was hoping would appear at some point. That can't happen if the Nova Corps is gone, you know, theoretically. So all, all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, they're they're intentionally doing things that we know are going to get undone. Probably is Loki one of them? Do you buy that Loki is gone for good, or do you think that this is either a tr- trick or he will be brought back to life somehow in the events of the next movie? Um, 
I, I don't know. I mean, it's to me, yeah, I mean, I, you know, without jumping to the, or trying not to jump too much into the ending, uh, there's a difference between the, the deaths that occurred like Loki's and Gamora's um, and, uh, and then the deaths that occur at the end when everyone turns into dust. Mm-hmm. You know? So I kind of think they're gone. And maybe just in the sense of like those actors aren't going to portray those characters anymore. Mm. Is it, I mean, it felt pretty unceremonial to kill Loki that quickly, that early on, especially because Tom Hiddleston's been such a marquee figure in the Marvel yeah. universe. Well, entire I, time. It, it felt pretty Ned Starkish. Yeah. Like, well, like yeah. you know, you're on alert. Like <laughs> there's going to be a body count to this movie because we've taken out a, a beloved character, you know? And granted, he was at the end of his run, and you know they intentionally had the piece of dialogue. You know, Thanos was like, "No more resurrections for you," and yeah. and so you're thinking, okay. But it's back in my mind. I'm still like, man, would you think about the pieces Disney has to keep on the board to keep these movies, you know, to keep the familiarity? And granted, they've since Loki's first appeared, there have been plenty of new characters that are interesting and and cool. So it's it's likely he will stay dead. But it's in my mind is just as unlikely that. Yeah, you know, or just as likely that he, somebody will find some way to resurrect him, or he'll be, you know, in part of the big, you know, everybody comes back singing, he'll be back somehow too. I don't know. After all that we went through in, in Ragnarok and he and Thor finally making up, the other thing that was interesting to me too, Valkyrie was nowhere to be found. And yeah, that was a bummer. Yeah, it's like, so did she die too? And then, and then you have to ask the question: Did all the Asgardians die? So, like, is all of Asgard just gone now? Yeah, Does that I, mean there will be no more, you know, no more Thor movies because they're just all like it. Just it immediately undid all of the all the agency of Thor Ragnarok because the whole point of that movie was, hey, we're going to start over. You know, we're gonna, you know, he uh, later on gone. Thor says something uh, later on about he killed half my people. So I don't know what we're supposed to make of that. But he blows the ship up. So like, yeah, maybe it's they like escaped. they're all gone. Um, yeah. I, yeah, maybe they escaped. Uh, it, uh, yeah, that, that's a little, you know, a little messy. But it's, um, and it's fine. Granted, there's a whole other Thor movie that could, you know, clarify all that. Like maybe we'll get it later. That's 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 fine. Um, but yeah, it was interesting. It just it, it was like right away. It's like here he's already got the tesseract. He's got the you know so he's got the uh, the space stone. He's building the gauntlet. I did kind of like it. You know, every time he adds a new one, he sort of feels a physical you know a, a surge slash yeah. strain. You know that was kind of cool to see. This was definitely the best iteration of Thanos that we could have ever gotten in any medium. So I think I have a question about the um, uh, the Loki Thanos meeting. There have they not met before? Oh, they totally have. Like when because there's a reference later to like. Loki was working for Thanos when he brought the Chitari to Earth in the first yeah. Avengers movie. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure there's a scene with the two of them in it. There's like a scene Loki where he's talking. at the well, there's a scene where he's at the throne. Thanos hasn't spun the throne around, but he goes to where yeah. you know that floating chair is yeah. overlooking the like he so goes there. Pledge his loyalty to Thanos, like that move was a little weird. It was almost. Okay. I looked at that as more like he was re. He was like basically re. You know, re-proselytizing. Yeah. Like you know, yeah. I I give myself to you again. Okay, I was just curious. Like I was like, well, wait, haven't you already? Anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry to. to no, that's okay. Else. It was it was it, it was a little confusing, but it. I mean, it was a great way to sort of tee up the Black Order. Their those characters again. I just man, I freaking love that the way they did at the. Uh, 
Ebony Maw character. My God. Like I wanted an entire movie with just him as the villain. Cause he was so like, his powers were obviously, he was most, he was the strongest of the black order. He was the creepiest. And just, he seemed to be the, other than Thanos, the biggest threat to everybody. Cause he could kind of do anything. Yeah. He was sort of a, a, yeah, really powerful magician when he's fighting Dr. Strange. It's, it's apparent, you know, yeah. it defeats him really. Yeah. And so. it's just, it, it, and I like, I, I do kind of like how he miscalculated uh, things and you know how he ended up dying, but still it's just like, man, I wish we had had a previous movie just with him as the antagonist. Anyway, it's, it's fine. What we got was just as good too. But then we go um, to the New York attack. We see Tony and Pepper and all that. Um, and then Dr. Strange is obviously. Well, yeah. And Bruce Banner has, uh, you know, Heimdall has trans- transported the Hulk uh, via the last like <laughs> rainbow bridge, you know, uh, <laughs> Mario Kart, um, <laughs> rainbow oh, road uh, down to, um, just conveniently into Dr. Strange's home. I can't even remember what that's called where the, the sanctum Santorum. In yes. New York. Uh, yeah. So Bruce, um, and Dr. Strange confront, uh, Tony to tell him about this new threat, which was a really interesting thing because in, uh, the gauntlet comic book, it's silver surfer that plays that role who goes to a oh, yeah. Dr. Strange. And, um, so I really liked that they were doing that with Bruce and that, um, you know, I, I thought he was a good stand-in uh, for the universe we have mm-hmm. on screen. Mm-hmm. Totally, and it was cool to see you know like Bruce and see, you know Bruce t- sees Tony for the first time since Age of Ultron. Um, yeah, so there's a lot to catch up on there too. It, that whole thing was cool. It was fun to see Bru- uh, Tony and and Stephen kind of have their interplay. It was a little weird to see uh, Stephen Strange kind of just assume that he's mastered everything now. I'm like, dude, we only had one movie with you. Like, you're still. And he's like, I'm the master of the mystic arts. I'm like, are you though? Cause it doesn't seem like you've. His you've whole arc is going from that character <laughs> to getting into a car wreck to being that character again. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. He was a cocky, arrogant asshole. And then he went through this very humbling experience and he's like, finally, I can be my old cocky, arrogant self again. Yeah. It just seemed a little bit rushed, but whatever. I'll, I'll, I'll let that slide. Um, so that was cool. It, you know, and then we, we see the first attack on New York. We see Spider-Man make an appearance. I thought that was all really well done. Um, and then we see, uh, all those guys, we see Iron Man, Spider-Man, Dr. You know, Stephen Strange is captured. They get taken on that, on the floating donut, which uh, we find out is not a portal. <laughs> and is in fact a ship that then goes and, uh, heads towards Titan. And both, I, I kind of like the, the overlap of, um, Iron Man, you know, Pepper telling Iron Man, like, you know, don't stay on that ship. Iron Man telling, you know, Spider-Man, like, don't stay on this ship. Both, neither of them listen to you know, the other. Yeah. Just here, there they are. Uh, it's, it's great to see Peter Parker is, is really kind of truly Tony's protege. Um, and it's cool to see that pl- happen after Tony's dreaming about having a kid with Pepper. You know, it's like, Hey, we had a kid and I think we should do that in real life. And then, you know, it's, uh, Peter Parker's kind of his, you know, I think does Steven, does it, is it Dr. Strange who says like, is this your ward? Yes. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. It's not, but it's true. I mean, it's kind of, he is kind of his Robin at this juncture. It's kind of fun to see. Yeah. So was I the only one that was like, you guys are in your fifties. <laughs> are you just going to adopt? <laughs> yeah. That's a great, is, is Gwyneth that old? She's gotta be right. Uh, well, we'll say maybe, maybe late forties. I, I don't, I don't mean to disparage her. I mean, she looks beautiful, but um, I mean, he is Tony Stark. Was, he can kind of, I'm sure he has some sort of in, in vitro technology that'll make it right. Right. Big. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I mentioned this before, um, and, and because that's the way we're doing the episode, like I, I just loved all these 
the you know um groupings of the characters where they had to meet people they didn't know like it would have um even though uh bruce just met dr strange it was really interesting that it's like you know tony's even more because of his personality and dr strange's personality like to group them together with Mm -hmm. peter was Mm. a great way to set them off on their adventure just like we'll see you know it's great uh, to see um vision and wanda together with sort of the resistance part of the avengers you know Um, it all made logical sense too it's not like they put characters together who would have no business being together otherwise in service of the story they they made yeah they made the most interesting grouping so yeah yeah so then we catch up with vision and wanda who are in scotland um and i you know very apt to us just reading the vision uh (laughs) series last week and i I believe you had made the comment like you didn't understand you didn't even know before that that scarlet witch and vision had had a a relationship and so here it is like what a what a a great preview for that and and honestly like shout out to paul bettany and um the olsen sister i forget elizabeth olsen (laughs) um they they made that believable like i wasn't really buying it in in uh civil war nearly as much it's like they've had some time to kind of rehearse and figure that out so i was I mean, I'll tell you, there was two moments in this movie where I'm like, I'd rather see this movie. And the first was like, I want to see the Vision and Wanda movie. Just like, let's just follow them. I'll just, I'll, yeah, let's stop this Infinity War thing. I just want to see them. Yeah. Uh, and that was really, really cool. And that, you know, their attack. And then we see the return of Steve Rogers, who, you know, my theater clapped and cheered. Black Widow, Sam, you see that they've been get, getting together. I like that there wasn't a lot of like, well, where have you guys been this whole time? Like, you just, it, you, by the way their characters look, you sort of assume there's been a lot going on since Civil War. So I appreciate yeah. not having to like take the time and go, well, <laughs> well, Vision. As and then, then you know, they, there's like a flashback scene or something crazy. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I was curious about because I did end up going to the bathroom during this scene. They, uh, you know, they get they save the Vision. Um, the other two Black Order people, they have a chance to kill him. They don't. They, you know, rightfully they're told this is the only chance you'll ever get. So they go up in their donut ship. Um, and then Vision, Wanda, the the Resistance guys, they all go to the Avengers compound. They meet up with um, Rhodey and, and then a, kind of a senseless cameo by um, uh, William Hurt, which, you know, it's fine. But it's just like, do we need to see William Hurt saying the same things again? No, um, I, it was uh, it was only important to see that, you know, Rhodey uh, valued his. So to me, you know, one of the big themes of the movie is the personal relationships between this cast. And that's where I think there's this huge success for Marvel in doing this. Like, even if we, uh, you know, could have predicted some of this, like we knew, um, uh, well, I don't know. I just thought it was great that it was emphasized. Like, so Rhodey is making that choice. Like in civil war, he made the wrong choice. Yeah. You know, and yeah. and he's changing that here. You know, he just yeah. turn, turns off the hologram William Hurt and, uh, you know, jokingly tells them like, oh, yeah, you're court-martialed. Yeah, there's a court-martial for me. Uh, so right at that point, I went to the oh, bathroom. Yeah, and what I, what I didn't get to see, and I'm curious if this happens at all, was there any – this is the first time that Black Widow and Bruce Banner are in the same room together. Yep. Do they have it? Was there a scene between them that I missed? Did they play that up at all? Because the last time we saw them together – I mean, Age there's of Ultron no- was – weirdly built on their sort of burgeoning romance. I was like, okay. There was no uh, separate scene with them, but there was a very heavy exchange. Mm, Okay. (laughs) There was was heat. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Yeah. They greeted each other in a, in a very, uh, you know, (laughs) subtext heavy 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> so they acknowledge it. I just in my mind, oh, yeah, like, yeah, did they just keep sure. all that under the rug? Because like, no, no, no. And I think that honestly, that scene was the one where I, I, I think I started going, holy, holy moly! Like Marvel has done something amazing here. Because okay. that was when I'm going like, oh, there's like six Avengers in this scene and that's yeah. not even all the Avengers we've seen yet. Like yeah, yeah. this is crazy. Um, yeah. And especially to keep up all those relationships, which I thought, uh, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't can't think of any specific examples that jump to mind right now, but um, there's definitely movies where we don't see that, where there's, they're in such a rush to get to the action or something. Mm-hmm. This felt like the action flowed perfectly and there were great moments to, you know, show the connection of the characters. So it requires yeah. a great deal of discipline to balance yeah. all this in a way. And cause they clearly have to say no to a lot of fun, interesting stuff. So I just, you know, at two and a half hours, like this could have easily been three um, Lord of the Rings style. And they probably yeah. could have packed a little more. And I, I'm I, glad I, I, they I bet there's a three hour cut somewhere. <laughs> yeah. But who knows? I mean, it may have dragged it down. The, the one thing yeah. I didn't get that I think was crucial to this movie was a Thanos origin story. Like I would have loved to have seen, um, kind of a montage, and strangely enough, I actually re- I'll, I'll reference a movie I saw recently that I told you was terrible. But the opening ten minutes of uh, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets has this amazing. <laughs> Wait, hold on, mon- I don't think we've talked about this. Well, it, it's the movie <laughs> because it is terrible. I've seen it recently. Oh, it's garbage. But the first ten minutes is amazing, and what happens in the first ten minutes? Spoilers is they show you the history of the of the United States. Um, uh, uh, space program and like the erection of the first international space station. And then it, it shows you every two years, every two, or two to 10 years, how that grows, you know, as more people, you know, dock with that station and then that station gets bigger and more countries come on board. And it's just, it's this really cool montage of growth. It would have been really cool to see that with Thanos. Like, how do we, how did he get this in his head? You know, in the, in the comics, there's a lot of backstory of on Titan. He looked different, like genetically was not, you know, he, he was kind of an abnormality, so he was discriminated against. Like, give me a little of that too, because I think that would have just helped me. A would have it would have given me more context and layers for his character, and and they did a good job with that anyway. But I just I wanted to see a little more of that because that for the ending to work better, I needed to I needed to know he's went through some some stuff as a kid. Anyway, that that aside, yeah, um, that's that's an interesting. Uh, po- I mean, gosh, there's so much we could talk about in this movie because I could really dig into that. Because I just generally don't like Marvel's. I don't like any comic book crap where there's gods, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I actually thought I liked that this one went to Titan and he sort of told the story of the overpopulation on Titan. Yeah, and you know that was a how, good. That was a good. Right about it. Yeah, yeah that, I didn't. I didn't really think there was a way to humanize him, but it at least showed a motive, even though it was like kind of late. You know, I mean, yeah. it was sort of like, well, we already think he's an a hole. Like, why are yeah. you trying to redeem him now? You know, no. <laughs> like, no. what do you, what have you, like, you want to be patted on the back? You suddenly have peace talks with North Korea. Like, well, part of this we know, too, we know you're an a hole. <laughs> part of my need for that too is to, it, I, I have, I have a theory about how they're gonna fix this in the next movie, and I think if you show his his backstory, you get to that that point a little more organically yeah um we'll come back to that though so well he also you know besides um ebony maw he had like his army was just sort of this you know nameless faceless kind of horde yeah and that's this actually did a better job at handling that than i would say uh 
the first Avengers movie, definitely Justice League, for sure Suicide Squad. Like this <laughs> at least felt like there's a big baddie that we are invested in. Yes. You know, we understand. Uh, and, yeah. And so we're willing to like kind of forgive the hordes of stuff, even though, yeah. uh, you know, uh, other movies don't do that. You know, I mean, who, who cares about I can't even remember the name of the villain in Justice League. And I literally <laughs> watched it this week. Like I rewatched it and Steppenwolf. I Steppenwolf. Yes. <laughs> 60s band. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, where, where were let's, we? <laughs> let's jump to Thor and the Guardians because that was the other big character kind of mashup that Which worked really, really well. Perfect. Oh, yeah. totally. And like, we see why Ragnarok uh, adopted that tone or, or you know, wherever they figured out like, oh, yeah, this is going to work really well. Put Thor with the Guardians. Oh, and, and especially like uh, you, Peter Quill feeling completely demascul- demasculated, em- emasculated, emasculated, yeah. emasculated by, yeah. by, because everybody, even like Drax is like, this isn't. This isn't just a person. This is a man. You know, like they're all just fawning over this guy. And Quill's just like, you know, even even that joke where he's like, he's, he lowers oh, his voice. Yeah, yeah. You're a dude. <laughs> he is a man. He's a man, a muscular, godlike man. And there's like, I just, I love, and then it's all of them. Like everybody's smitten yeah. with him except for Peter Quill, who's just like, come on, like I'm still here. Yeah, the he's voice got, thing. <laughs> he's got, and for some reason, I, I noticed, and I think maybe this is intentional, he kind of has more of a true mustache in this movie than previously. I think he had like either a yeah. goatee or was clean shaven. So now he's got like this Burt Reynolds kind of mustache and they're kind of playing up that angle a little bit more too. So I, I really like that everything involving that team up. And it's, you know, later on when Thor goes off with uh, rocket and Groot, like that was really fun. Yeah. Um, Another, just, it, like even that was a great, you know, grouping of characters. I didn't even, I didn't expect to like that so much. I kind of wanted the, the you know the man off between peter quill and thor to keep going yeah you know when, when he was immediately leaves with rocket i was like oh man you know i i wanted more of the like competition but that was that worked out great too like yeah. that oh. yeah. it yeah. was that was really and I'm, I'm almost getting chills thinking about the scene we'll, we'll get we'll get to it there's a scene that happens at the forge that was just like oh <gasps> there was there were two moments okay there was two moments where i wanted to watch a different movie that they set up and there was two moments where i literally kind of teared up a little bit and, and um, well, let's, let's just jump to it. Yeah. It's, it's where, so, so uh, Thor and um, Rocket and, and Groot go to the forge of, and I'm going to, I'm going to murder this name. Nidavellir. Uh, is that Nidavellir? I, I think something like that. It's something. It's, it's, but anyway, it's the forge. And you remember in the first, very first Thor movie, Odin says, you know, this hammer, which was forged in the heart of a dying star. Yeah. They, they set that up and you're always kind of in your mind going, mm, I wonder what that looked like. We got, we actually get to see it. That was yeah. kind of a cool payoff. Like, you know, you, they actually show you what it looks like. It's this, and it makes kind of logical sense. It's like this encapsulated, you know, d- uh, you know, dead star sort of, you know, uh, center. And it's got these really crazy, you know, uh, contact movie rings around it that sort of uh, channel the energy and everything. And, and we get there and who do we find, but the last remaining dwarf, um, who was left after Thanos came? Uh, he killed them all. I left one, and it's played by Peter Dinklage. We finally figure out what Dinklage is. Yeah, um, he's Bolivar Trask. I was really happy they he did not make Days well, of re- the Future Past. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> he's stranded uh, on the star. Yeah. There he is. I was really happy they didn't make him the uh, the dwarf in the Infinity Gauntlet, which I think everybody was sort of assuming was going to be. 
oh, what he was. Right. Like Pip the Dwarf or Pip the Troll, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was kind of like, man, I really hope they don't do that. And they there had been shots of Dinklage walking around with red hair. It's like, oh, he's clearly Pip. This is way cooler. I, I, I was so much happier with this. But I, it felt like Dinklage was kind of phoning it in. Like he was just sort of – he was just sort of chewing scenery going, oh, yes, boy. Like, it just it felt everything yeah. was like one take. He had his Game of Thrones accent on. Yeah. I, <laughs> I wish he had gone with something else. It was um, a little distracting. But, there, was, there were people in the theater who, when he started talking, started snickering. And it was just it kind of took you right. out of the movie a little bit. But, but you then know. there was that one joke line where he has that, like, you know, uh, the, where Thor says that thing of, like, <laughs> something about the dying thing. Oh, my God. It was, you know. He's like, I, I can't die if I'm already dead or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That doesn't make and any sense. There's like a beat on Peter's reaction, you know, kind of squinting his eyes. Okay. <laughs> um, and that that was really funny. Like that was kind of the payoff to me. But I, but the scene, but the scene there, so like they basically have to reforge a new weapon that he knows yeah. can kill Thanos. They find out that this is where Thanos got the glove or the gauntlet. They yeah. built it for him, and then he, Thanos basically made it so that nobody could do that again theoretically although we find that that's not necessarily the case yeah but the scene where you know they go you know thor basically has to sit in the, in the way of this giant blast of solar energy coming in and he almost dies doing it so just that the fact that he's willing to go to that length to get this done and then seeing groot who up to this point had been just a petulant teenager um yeah. actually you know, realize what's going on in there. And, you, and then you, you have uh, Dinklage going, you know, it needs a handle, you know, and they're all, they're all trying to get this to happen right in you know a certain period of yeah. time. And the, the, you know, the pieces of the ax come out and then Groot looks at it, uses his arm to forge the handle and cuts it off. I got a little teary eye just watching that happen because you know, Groot was like, this is what, you know, this is what I got to do. And I didn't know, I'm like, is Groot going to die again doing this? Like what, what's going to happen? Like that was a moment of pure spontaneity. That's where I was like, okay, this, I wish the entire movie was this, where you're like, you just don't know who's going to do what to sacrifice and how, if that's going to stick. Like that was the sort of the feeling I was looking for the entire time. So it's cool to see it like encapsulated right there. And they forged this amazing new weapon called Stormbreaker. And uh, just that was even hearing, even hearing Dinklage say the name of the thing in Tyrion's voice is a little like, okay. It's called Stormbreaker. I was just like, all right. <laughs> yes, we understand. But that was that was just a really cool, just really cool moment. Both, I mean, and Rockin' and Groot, like they stepped up. They all of them contributed in a really meaningful way to that moment. So it was when you see them pop back up again in the in the final battle, like it was really satisfying. Um, the other uh, thing with Thor and the Guardians is the um, is the, their visit to nowhere, which is the former place where we saw the Collector yeah. played by Benicio del Toro. And we see the reality stone kind of the last time we saw the reality stone was in um, the dark world. And it didn't really, it wasn't clear how its power worked. So it was cool to see Thanos finally use it uh, in a way that makes sense. And were you surprised when the whole, uh, their potential assassination attempt ended up being just a, just a a fake out? Uh, I, I, I don't know if surprised is the word. <laughs> I mean, I didn't really see it coming the way it did, but it made sense to me, like, as it was happening, you know? Um, yeah. Because that was, it, I mean, it was just cool to see. And then I didn't know, too, like, when he made Drax fall into a, a, you know, a series of blocks and yeah. you know, Mantis fall. Like, I didn't know if they were going to get put back together again. So I was kind of like, oh, but then, you know, when they, and again, this is another one of those moments where you start to think, well, there's, okay. that's kind of a thing. Like, so I went back and, and sort of reviewed Infinity Gauntlet afterwards. And there's a, when Surfer is telling 
Doctor Strange, his story, mm-hmm. there's a panel where he and, and someone else who confronts Thanos, um, Thanos does that to them, like makes mm-hmm. them turn into sort of this, these sort of like, you know, boneless, uh, you know, like jelly creatures, you know, their whole thing, their whole form sort of falls apart. And so that was like a really cool nod to that. I, I, yeah, I didn't know if they were dead. Like it happened so fast that I, I, I actually thought Drac, Drax was gone. I thought Drax was gone. And then once it happened to Mantis, I thought, oh, okay, no, 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 something will reverse this. <laughs> but, but so right then and there, this is one of many moments where I'm like, okay, if they had stayed dead, if that was their final result, I would have been at that moment, I would have been like, Oh my God, anything can happen. But the fact that as soon as he leaves, they are restored. It kind of makes me, it kind of is one of those many moments where I'm like, all right, they're not willing to truly throw down here. You know? Yeah. We saw Loki die. That almost felt like a, a sort of just like uh, a token death. Um, but it's like right away, there's little moments like that throughout the whole thing. where you are like, okay, they're, you, they can just undo everything that happens whenever they want. I don't, hmm. Well, I mean, it's stakes are high enough here. So there's where I'll bring up your awesome quote from earlier this week, which was, uh, "It it almost doesn't make sense when the MacGuffin can do can reverse the actions of the MacGuffin." Yeah, (laughs) and we'll get to that when we hit the ending. But yeah, I mean, this is one of those places where I, I, to me, I guess, um, I well, again, I would have totally accepted. Like, if that were just Drax's end, it would have been like, okay, uh, you know, that sucked. But I just sort of knew that when they use the same thing on more than one character, like, I don't think this is going to stick, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, but when, but then in going back to the comic book and see, and, you know, refreshing my memory of that, that panel of that happening to the surfer, it was like, oh, okay, this makes sense. I, you know, that's okay with me. Um, so yeah, uh, we should probably move on to Titan from there. Well, let's. Bef- I actually oh, just have- just now re- reordered. No, let's let's oh. we'll save Titan because I want to keep following the Thanos Gamora track a little bit longer. So oh, yeah, yeah. When they're on nowhere, um, Thanos tricks Gamora. You know, and she she. It was it was interesting. Like if that had actually been real, her assassination of of Thanos would have been pretty impressive. But it's a fake out. He takes her away before he does. He tells she tells Peter Quill, hey. You need to kill me if he's about to take me away again. You need to promise me. And Thanos totally calls her, calls Peter's bluff on that. It's he even pushes her towards Peter. Go do it. Go on. Yeah. Go do it. And like you know, he he eventually does, but it turns out to be a, a fake out too because Thanos has already turned his gun into a bubble gun. Yeah. Um, so well, I mean, this was one of those other moments of there are two characters and they're faced with, do you love this person more than the idea of? all of like, like literal genocide, you know, where the, uh, like, would you rather face a reality without this one single person? Mm-hmm. That pl- that comes up a few different times. That comes exactly. up with Vision yeah. and Wanda, comes up with uh, uh, Tony and Pepper in, in a small way. You know, Tony, yeah, I, Tony I, says, I mean, you know, he's, he tells Peter, he's like, this is a one-way trip kid. Like he didn't think he was ever going to go back to earth again, which is interesting right. to think about. And I, w- I would say that's, that is a similar, uh, move that like happens to roadie yeah that he's faced with like do i welcome back these fr-? you know he knows he's made a mistake in taking the government side in civil war and do i welcome back these friends and risk my own court martial or you know or kick him out and yeah yeah it's yeah and th- th- i would also say that that's why we had to see dr strange as so arrogant in his confrontation with tony originally because we have to see him humbled 
and realizing like he does that same thing later when he gives up uh, the time stone, you know, he's looking over at Tony and uh, now I I guess, and you know, it's clear to him in that moment, like they've fallen into one of the 14 million, you know, outcomes that he Mm -hmm. saw, not Mm -hmm. the one where they, they live. Um, But it's that same feeling of sacrifice of like, I would rather have this person that I care about. You know, I I, got to save this little humanity. You know what? I'll also say that theme too. I kept coming back to the, from the last Jedi where Rose saves Finn at the end from, you know, that like little death star engine yeah, and and says to him, like, you don't, you don't get it. Like, we're not going to, we're not going to win unless we're fighting for the ones we love. You know, and so I just really enjoyed this theme throughout this this movie. I, I totally disagree about that's why Stephen gave the, the time stone up. I don't think he uh, had any care for Tony at that point. That, oh no, I mean I, I, I don't think, think that's he saw the, the practicality of uh, of the the outcomes. You know, he'd already seen this outcome. Yeah, I think. Well, yeah, exactly. I think. But I, he knows- think he, but I think in that moment he wasn't being like a selfish, arrogant person. He was he was really confronting the humanity of yeah. Of I think people he, dying around him. I think he knew that. Tony had to live for that one successful outcome to work. Oh, I think it was okay. more about that oh, than anything else. I don't think they had no time to really forge any kind of bond or anything. I think he was, yeah. I think when he saw the outcomes and we'll get to that too, because there's, there's a question of how much information he should have given Tony. But before that, we, I mean, it's see, not, it's not sense a level. <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's not. Yeah. Well, anyway, so before that we see, we see a nice little flashback of Gamora as a child on her home planet and Thanos's. Uh, you know, group coming to, they basically execute half the planet. We see why he did that. You know, he gives that wonderful line of like, look, your planet was going to die anyway. I did this. And then after that, no one ever went hungry, you know, rich and poor yeah. alike were, were equally treated. And you kind of get this weird sense of like, oh, I, I kind of get his logic here. I mean, it's terrible. It's horrific, but I kind of get it. You know, he sort of, he sort of speaks about it in like a, it's, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a complete, it's completely off the reservation, but you're like, he, at least he's committing to his, he's not just some like, you know, ha ha ha, you know, Machiavellian character. He's like, look, this is, I, I have a sense of justice as perverted as it is. And this is how I, I achieve that. Um, and the little girl who played <laughs> yeah, Nebula, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The little girl who played uh, Nebula looked uh, so much like her. Wait, you mean I was, Gamora? Yeah. I'm sorry. Gamora. Yes. Yeah. yeah the yeah. little uh, Gamora actress looks so much like it did the uh, grown up one. I was just, I was, really impressed by that too. The thing that uh, was interesting to me is when you see Nebula being tortured, um, right. Kind of that conversation. And it was, this was a nice little throwback to infinity gauntlet, the book, because in that comic, um, one of the first things he does is bring Nebula uh, to him. He, you know, Thanos has created this kind of weird space altar throne room at, you know, kind of set up and he brings Nebula and he, he tortures, tortures, tortures her and you see these terrible panels of Nebula, like, you know, just half half near her death. She's, you know, her skin's burned off and she just looks strung out and just horrible. This kind of scene with Nebula being pulled apart, you realize how much more machine than than man she really is. I didn't I didn't realize it was that sort of severe. And there was a there was a callback, I think, to an earlier scene in uh, I think the last Guardians, Guardians 2, where Nebula says every time she and Gamora fought and Gamora won, Thanos would take a part of Nebula away and yeah. replace with a robotic part so you get to see all you know basically the entire history of nebula and gamora right there and then they've they've you know he's torturing her she's pulled apart and it's really horrific looking and that was just a nice little sort of shout out to the uh the infinity gauntlet book yeah and then it's, i agree 
it really shows the resourcefulness of Nebula too. You kind of feel they're doing really wonderful things, kind of building her layers into her, you know, all the things she's gone through. Spoilers, she survives this movie. So it'll be interesting to see how she brings that expertise. She's kind of the, the one with the inside knowledge now that's left alive. So she knows how to potentially get Thanos or where he want, you know, where he went at the end of the movie. Um, she'll be really important. Wow. Karen Gillan's really been doing a lot of stuff with that. And yeah, and I wonder if um, I assume there's still a Guardians three on the slate, and oh, if Gamora's totally gone, and it's her. It's I, there's no way Gamora's gone. I'm just going to say that out outright. She's she's going to be brought back. There is absolutely no way. I, it's no, it's no. You know, it's yeah. You can't <laughs> you can't prove a negative. But uh, in IMDb, there is no cast listed except for Mantis and and some other person. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. But there's but there. There's no way that that was, that's the end of Gamora because Peter Quill didn't get to see it. The rest of the team didn't get to mourn it. Like there's, I mean, maybe they won't, but I just, every, again, this goes back to the whole thing. Disney can't afford for her to die permanently. <clears throat> they need that guardians cast to be the same, the same for a long time so that they can sell those guardians ticket movies. Like if you go to a guardians movie and Gamora's just gone for some reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They could, they could build a whole thing around that, but it's just like that. She's too important to that ensemble to just have her die here. I just, well, I don't, I don't buy it. Thing is what sacrifices they make in order to bring back certain characters. I think yeah. that's where it really, it really matters, you know, because too, too often it's just sort of magically undone, you know? Um, well, and they kill, and they kill Gamora to get the soul stone, which this is one of those things where I was like, okay, I guess I would have liked to have seen this done differently, but this entire time, everybody's been asking, well, where's the soul stone? You know, it's never been brought up. You all thought it might have been at Wakanda. It wasn't. I'm glad it wasn't in hindsight. Um, there's and, and Thanos, too, is like, look, I've been looking for the, the Soul Stone this entire time. We come to find out it's at a, uh, on a world called Vormir. And lo and behold, the weirdest cameo of this entire movie, the red freaking skull is, is alive and well. And he's sort of the, uh, the curator of, of Vormir. He's the somehow has managed to, since we last saw him in Captain America, get beamed out into the universe he ends up here in sort of a phantom clothing, you know, Voldemort clothing. And he's the keeper of the soul stone for some weird reason. Did that, was that an interesting cameo to you? Did that take you out of the movie at all? It, it only took me out of it in that I could not remember his end in first Avenger. Mm. Um, uh, but uh, I, it, it again, like, and not even, I, I mean, I even still having reviewed infinity gauntlet, I don't know who he would represent, but I, I felt at the time like, well, that's weird, but I guess there's a character in gauntlet that was, you know, sort of played a role similar to this. And he's the stand in for it. Sort of like how uh, Bruce was going to be the stand in for the silver surfer and delivering the message, you know? Oh, you know what? He's probably there's, is it Mephisto in infinity gauntlet? Well, I actually think it's Mephistopheles. Mephistopheles. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I think there's a, I think there's some superhero or villain named Mephisto, but um, I think this is meant to be the 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 devil, you know, Mephistopheles. And fair enough, but this is where he sacrifices Gamora to get the the Soul Stone. And then what's weird to me is that we see all the power of every other stone demonstrated except for that one. We never yeah. find out what the Soul Stone can actually do. Um, yeah. other than maybe, maybe that's what allowed Thanos to see child Gamora at the end after he flicks his fingers. It's not clear, Yeah, but it's, it's just like we, they intentionally show us all the other powers multiple times, except for that one. And especially strange because we have yet to see it in action at all in all these movies. Well, uh, so I mean, 
I totally agree with that. You're right. Um, I the only thing I would say about this scene though is to me it was a <laughs> sorry to keep bringing this hammering this one nail. Uh, it was another example of like those two people having to make the choice between uh, genocide and the one person they love. Mm-hmm. But that was where we realize Thanos's character is yeah. because he makes the choice that none of the heroes are going to make. Yeah, he that's a good point. will sacrifice the the one person in the whole universe he loves. He will sacrifice, like in favor of a genocide. You know, yeah. I like um, that's that's a good point. And maybe that's something they'll have to learn in the next movie if they want to undo all this. You know, maybe that's the. There's yeah. been no no shortage of thoughts that like the the people who didn't disappear at the end were the original Avengers team. Yeah, um, they're all intact. So there's something to be said there. The other interesting well, little tidbit is that he, uh, the Red Skull was not Hugo Weaving. It was actually. Uh, actor named Ross Marquand, who did a really damn good job, like impersonating Hugo Weaving's character. Like that was really freaking well done. So that's interesting because um, yeah, I watched the credits because I could not remember Hugo Weaving's name, and when I but when I saw Ross Marquand, like I thought this, I was like, well, that's not him. I know that's not who that you know. Um, yeah, yeah, that was that was interesting. I wonder why um, Weaving would come back. Part of me too is, is a little bit sad because it means that the Red Skull is never going to appear, you know, as a as a return oh, character. Right. He's kind of he's kind of relegated to this, you know, you know, priestly role essentially. And it's too bad too because in the comics, Red Skull is you know just as interesting as Doctor Doom or any of those you know big bad yeah, exactly. heavy hitting Earth based villains. Let's just say. Yeah. Um, the other thing I was going to mention too is is uh, there was a lot of theory and speculation around what the Soul Stone would have been. Um, everything from Tony Stark is the Soul Stone, which is the dumbest one in my opinion, to the planet Titan is actually the Soul Stone, which I thought was an interesting possibility where you know they spend a lot of time on Titan in the trailers. And it's like, well, maybe the whole planet ends up being you know, built around the Soul Stone in some way, shape, or form. Um, obviously, that didn't happen. So it's, it's curious that they and, – and, and let's just use that as a segue. They all get to Titan, um, and it didn't really make sense to me as to why they were there. You know that was the rendezvous point for um, uh, Ebony Mon. I think the other. I think all the all the Black Order was supposed to all rendezvous there at some point. Yeah, um, I, I don't think they. I mean, well, you know, Tony and and uh, Peter had and Doctor Strange had. They had no control over that. It wasn't like exactly. They, yeah, it was just sort but of the why, ship was I guess, piloting back there. It was weird though that like you know there I, the the order was apparently to go to Earth, get the stones, then we'll all come back here and I'll assemble the rest of the gauntlet and we'll all you know I'll do it from here. Maybe there was something symbolic i would have liked a line or two just to clarify that like you know i this is my home planet i wanted to make sure that i was here when you know it all went yeah. down but i it, think it, i think it just served it was just there to serve a dramatic purpose of like separating all the avengers and giving thanos that chance to explain what he did on titan yeah and that, that was a good scene i like that using the reality stone to kind of give you that yeah. flashback um they almost get the gauntlet off though which i was surprised by i thought oh that's not gonna happen and they almost do it it were it not for Peter freaking Quill. But again, anyway. a scene of like the love he has for this one person. Yeah. And it's just like, it's, he, it's, he, he was so much so that he wants his revenge and he will risk this genocide. I kind of wish but, they had gotten it off at least temporarily. You wow. know, he could have gotten it back, but I'm like, at least show us that it's possible once. Right. And then maybe like, you know, somebody tries to put it on. I mean, it's massive. So like, nobody's going to put it on their regular human hand. Um, yeah. But just, Boy, I don't, that, that would have been interesting. Yeah, yeah, and maybe that's maybe there's something to. Uh, I, I have a theory, by the way. Well, we'll get to the ending because I have a theory yeah, about yeah. how this whole thing has well, to end. Let's hurry up and get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and then, and then the other thing. Um, 
oh, one other thing I want to mention here is that this is the scene where we see Doctor Strange going through all the 14 million outcomes. Yeah. And he says there's only one where they win. And then he – my the one truly legitimate complaint I have against the plot is that at no time does he tell Tony or anybody around him yeah. – what that one successful iteration looks like. Like, oh, we win, but we have to do this, this, and this. He never mentions it. Yeah. And this is even like this is this is this is compounded in my mind because then he gives the soul stone to Thanos, looks at Tony and says, We're in the end game, and this is the only way. Yeah, yeah. And then it, it, the most cryptic thing you could say, and he gives the soul. I mean, in this entire time, he's been telling Tony, Oh no, I have to protect the time stone. I've I swore an oath, I'd rather you all die than the time stone go into Thanos' hands because that means the end right. of everything. So he said that clearly. And then he's like, oh yeah, I'm going to give the time stone to Thanos, but it's the only way. It's like, well, okay, can you maybe explain a little bit more as to what you mean? The outcome he saw was like, and also you can't tell anybody about this outcome or this outcome is undone. Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I've been secretly talking to Littlefinger and he's commanding the Knights <laughs> of the Veil. Vale, and I know they can totally save you, but I'm going to let you march your whole army into this death trap <laughs> it did feel a lot like that. Like Sansa. Well, like, I, I mean, it is that most hated trope. If one character has information that like saves everything, you know, I mean, it's that thing that I, I complain about when one character goes, I got a plan. And yeah. then they don't tell anybody what the plan is. I'm like, well, that's not really a plan. <laughs> Unless you're going to fill us all in. Well, I was we telling another friend. I was telling another friend this too. And they're like, oh, well, he couldn't say because Thanos was standing right there. I'm like, but then Thanos left with the time stone right at that moment. Tony yeah, should have been like, terrible. dude, what the hell? And Dr. Strange could have said, like, look, Tony. And maybe maybe he says like a riddle to him or something that he knew he would be able to decipher yeah. without giving away the whole thing. Something. Well, it I, felt really strange. I agree. I, I did like the kind of fake out because Iron Man was for sure top of my Deadpool in this, like, oh, yeah, going into this. Like, I, I was sure, like, well, you know, I just, Downey is done with this and like he's going out somehow and. Yeah, so when that happened, I was like, yep, here it is. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I didn't think him just sort of falling on that was gonna be uh or that one stab was gonna be it, you know. But I yeah. I, I I really oh my god, I envisioned some terrible endings. I was like, if he yeah. if he if Thanos beheads him right now, I will this theater will lose <laughs> its mind. <laughs> I mean, I, that went through my head, like he is gonna chop his head off and we're gonna lose it. <laughs> there will be a riot. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, he threw a, he threw chunks of a moon at him too, and like that didn't take him. Yeah, out. like exactly. it, there are too many fantastical things. Let's go to the battle for Wakanda though, because this was yeah, yeah. the other moment where I wanted another movie to happen instead of the movie that I was what? seeing. <laughs> where did you want this? Where did, where was that moment? <laughs> as soon as as soon as they're they you know they fly in, you see that majestic view of Wakanda revealed when they go through the barrier, yeah. and then they land, and it's, once once T'Challa comes walking out with the Dora Milaje, I'm just like, I, just show me this, like I just. I was so. Well, that is Black Panther, right? (laughs) Well, so I just I love these characters so much. Part of it was because Black Panther, you know, was was fresh in front of mind. But these are just incredibly earnest characters. When when Okoye says when they're all lined up for the final battle, and Okoye says, um, "Yeah, I think is it is it uh, uh, what's the 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 mountain uh, chief." He's there. I forget his name. I know. We forgot the hell is his name. Really the big sexy guy. Anyway, he's like, you know, are we going to, are we going to survive this? And she's like, this will be the most noble ending ever. And I just sort of teared up right then and there. It's like, oh my God, these people, of course, the final battle is going to be Wakanda repelling all these impossible odds. 
and and they're going to do it. Like I believe that they could have possibly pulled it off. It reminded me a lot of the scene from Lord of the Rings when um, Rohan shows up in the final battle after all that time they show up and they're like, they're looking out at cross at this just massive impossible scene. And you're just like, these guys are going to freaking do it. And then they start and they, they do start to succeed. You know, there's a lot of really cool matchups. There's that scene with the Okoye and black widow fighting Proxima midnight. That was really cool. Um, the scene where black Panther and you know, when the battle begins and they're like charge and you see T'Challa and Steve Rogers running side by side because they're, you know, they're and first, first, yeah. First yeah. into the battle. Yeah. First in the battle, like running just, that was really cool to see. I started to tear up a lot. And then of course you get that giddy sort of tear up when Thor arrives and just starts wiping the floor with everybody. That was, and, oh man, the, my theater went crazy. Oh, and happened. you get Bruce Banner going, oh, you guys are screwed now. Like, I just love that entire thing. Just all of that. It's part of it too, is because Thor is the closest thing to a live action He-Man that I'm ever going to get. And that scene kind of made me think of that. Like, oh, here's He-Man. He's come. <laughs> that entire, all of that was just amazing. Really, That makes me well sad. <laughs> well, there's a version of He-Man out, He-Man out there as a movie that, yeah, He-Man is just a toy Thor. <laughs> no, 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 no. We'll come back. We'll, we'll we'll have a podcast about that. But no, it's the whole thing was really. I just I love that entire last thing. And I, again, I just wanted an entire Black Panther two right then and there. I'm like, just make this a Black Panther two right now. We'll be good. But they ratcheted up the tension really, really well. You know, with yeah. um, once Wanda joins the fight, you realize that that was part of their plan to get her out of there so they could get Vision. Yep. Yep. And this all leads us up to the kind of the final moments, which is Wanda has to, to your point, make a sacrifice, you know, the final sacrifice, which is either yeah. kill the man I love and save everybody um, or not. And you realize that she does make that choice, but just like Peter Quill, she's too late. Thanos already has the means to undo yeah. her choice. I, uh, I really liked it. <laughs> it was sort of visually arresting to see vision explode <laughs> the first yeah. time and then be reassembled. <laughs> be reassembled only to be turned into essentially a husk and just yeah, cast aside. Even worse, like yeah. a worse ending. <laughs> yeah, it was just, it was, and then it, you and I have just read the vision, that vision book. And so that was all playing in my head too. All, And I'm glad it did because I, you know, I wanted this movie going, I have this extra context about the vision now that I think yeah. made that scene all the more sort of, a, you know, in, in, that to me was the most emotionally kind of driven death because you had these yeah. two characters who made you believe that they actually love each other for real. And it just played out really, really well. But again, it was so easy to, to go, well, Thanos, we've seen the time stone. Clearly it's obvious what's going to happen here. And sure enough, he pulls out the time stone, undoes it all, grabs, you know, grabs Vision's mind thing. It's funny, it, I, I didn't like think... It was going to, I didn't think it was going to be redone that quickly. Mm. Like, like once when Thanos approached and like, you know, like sort of flex the glove or whatever, I I was like, oh shit. But in the moment, like where vision exploded, because this is a funny thing, how, how it stuck in your mind was sort of the MacGuffin of like, how's he going to get all six stones stuck in my mind was this line really early on where they said, if he has even four of the stones, he can start wiping out civilizations you know mm -hmm. and i thought oh so that's going to be what this movie is about is he's almost going to get all six mm -hmm. you know that's kind of where i thought it was going to end was mm -hmm. i thought he's going to have five of them but he's going to show him what he can do with just five i see you know so i really in that moment where she got it out i was like finally one win in this mm -hmm. movie like of all this destruction they get one little win and then when he undid it it was like oh shit yeah. i'm so stupid
Yeah. So. And just the scene of like everybody stepping in to try to like fight him off. Yeah. Um, and then Thor comes <laughs> comes flying in like a badass, gets a amazing blow yeah. and then thanos of course goes you should have went for the head which is like such a classic God. trope it's like how many movies have we seen where that's been the case and and i love that he said that and, and didn't dink around and immediately no. flicked his fingers yeah i was so quick i didn't even like the significance of that it didn't hit me in the in the click of his fingers you know mm-hmm. like even looking for that and and uh uh, yeah, that was that was startling. And then, so the one other thing that was confusing about that shot, to get a little technical, was then the glove was damaged afterwards. The Did glove was damaged, that? but he still used it to escape. So yeah, yeah, some yeah. people have been mis- mistakenly saying, "Oh, the glove's unusable." I'm like, clearly not. That's well, how the he got out of there. Was made by uh, Boulevard Trask out on the uh, <laughs> Space Star. <laughs> the Boulevard Trask glove. I mean, the glove no. has nothing to do with like whether the stones work or not. Well, that too, right? Yeah. It's, I think the glove was, the gauntlet was built so that he could use all the infinity stones at once without dying. I think that was sort of the, the way they positioned that. Um, but he clearly, he used it to get out of there. He used the time, the space stone to, to leave. So either the entire glove still works. It just looks bad, or you can still act, you know, independently use each infinity stone, you know, as, as, you know, as they are. So he's got all of them still, he leaves. I will mention this is this is a scene where a lot of the CGI kind of falls apart. There is a there's a shot at the end where I hope, I hope it's the one I'm thinking of. <laughs> well, Thanos has just left, and they're all kind of standing around going, "Well, what what just happened?" And there's a shot of Ruffalo in the in the Hulk yes. thing, <laughs> and it looks like it looks it looks like the worst. <laughs> It looks it's, like they t- cut a picture of him out of like like a paparazzi photo, yeah, and just pasted like an like a non moving picture of him it into looks like a drawing that, of the Hulkbuster Iron Man armor. It looks like that shot. There's an there's an episode of The Office where Michael's trying to take a staff photo and they keep getting it wrong because they don't want to do it, and he eventually just photoshops all the staff and he takes like faces like from different like different yeah. sized faces. It looks like that, and part of me went. Did nobody catch this? And the other part of me went, oh, no, what happened was all because all the other CGI we saw was so good, they just ran out of time because, you know, these things are deadline driven. And my guess is if they had had another week uh, with the original release date was next week. And I'm, I'm wondering if they had had another week, could they have tightened that up a little bit? Because what we <laughs> don't what people don't realize is that they are working on the effects for this thing, like up until a week before. Um, and you know, they. It was so weird to me that the armor looked three dimensional. Yeah, he. Yeah, yeah, and he was so. I, I, I kind of wondered, like, well, I wonder if the choice was made to, to you know, not to have the helmet on or something. Oh, I, I maybe. Yeah, but it didn't he get blown off or something. I don't even remember. Yeah, he got ripped off by the yeah, by the uh, the Hulk kind of like the monster of the Black Order. I forget his name, but the big yeah. guy, big brawly guy. Um, but yeah, it's just, and then just, but there's some other CGI too. When Thor's kind of wiping the, the floor, it just looks really sort of like, you know, not done yet. And so I'm just like, okay, well, all right. And it's, it's easy to forgive, but it just, it really makes me wonder if they just ran out of time. And if Marvel's pushing up the date, just made that an impossibility to get completely right. So, I, and, it, and when it's on a big, huge screen like that, you notice it when it's on a phone or a smaller TV, you probably don't notice it as much. So it's, you know, I'll be yeah. interested to compare and contrast. Well, and but I wonder then, in the 3D version if it looks better, actually. I would wonder but too. I, yeah, I didn't see it in 3D either. So the uh, other thing that kind of bothered me was the way they the way they did the CGI on everybody disappearing. So 
as huh. soon as he clicks his fingers, you know, he, he escapes. They're like, where'd he go? What's about to happen? Everybody kind of stands around confused. And then Bucky's the first one to turn into ash and blow away. And some of them looked really, really good. Like the Spider-Man one was really, really good. Yeah. Um, but some of them just really, it, it looked just like a, you know, like a, like a, an effect in Adobe After Effects. It was just like, you know, sand effect. And they just, they applied it to everybody. So right away, I'm kind of thinking, well, I'm not feeling this nearly as much because this just looks kind of like magical. It looks like they're, you could just, you know, hit undo and then they just, they form again. It doesn't look like they're dying. Um, again, Spider-Man, there's Spider-Man and Nick Fury were, were two really good ones. Cause they kind of, they, they showed you the detail of their bodies disintegrating and everything. So that felt a little bit more, I think black Panther two was the other one that really kind of felt like, Oh, but and this is, this is the crux of my problem with this, this ending. It, after the first two or three, I started counting going, Oh my God, they're getting rid of all the people who we know have movies coming up. So star Lord's gone. Black Panther's gone. Spider-Man's gone. Like, these are movies that we know are on the slate. They're coming up. So clearly right away, my brain goes, well, these, this, these are not permanent deaths. Uh, how, if these aren't permanent deaths, then why isn't everything just you know, up for grabs to, to undo? And oh, by the way, Thanos just demonstrated just now that you can bring anybody back with that time stone anytime you want. Yeah. So all this is playing in my head going, okay, the, this is all meaningless. Like, clearly, this is all going to get undone. They showed us how it's going to get undone. It doesn't mean that, you know, members of the original team aren't going to die making it happen. And that will feel, you know, we'll feel the impact of that. But I, what should be a total just shock and, shock and awe moment is more like, oh, God. It well, just, I, I have a sort of sense of just like, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's interesting. Um, uh, where, where was I? I, I? What I was really interested in was... Um, yeah, I wonder what the audience who has not read Infinity Gauntlet thinks, because to me, I, I just, you know, going in like sort of like how you went in wondering if he would get all the stones, you know, before the end, because you're thinking like, is there going to be a cliffhanger or whatever? I still, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you thought this too. Like, it's still a cliffhanger. Like, we still know there's another, like, there is a second part to this coming out next year. Yes, but and, it, but, but wait, here's the crucial part about this. Yes, that's true. But we know that these people are going to be brought back to life. We just do. It's like no, exactly. no it's, so it's I, no different than me looking ahead at the end and going, "Oh, Thanos gets all the stones." Like this, th this should be treated like a big spoiler. It's like, and there's no way to get around it because Marvel has already announced these movies. We know these characters are coming back. So it true. because of that success, and because Disney can't keep all the shit secret, like it's sort of like imagine if we didn't know any of that. Imagine if this. You know, if we had nothing on the slate and Disney wasn't, you know, and, and Black Panther wasn't the biggest movie, superhero movie of all time. Like, imagine if they had done this in a way or they got rid of certain characters that weren't, you know, like, what if, what if the characters that, you know, like Black Panther, Spider-Man, those guys, what if they stayed around? And what if Steve, Tony, um, Black Widow, what if they had disappeared? This would have felt completely different for me. But the fact that it was like all these characters, like, well, we know these are all coming back. Like, it's a massive big old spoiler at the end of the movie that... You know, it, and even if you haven't read the comic, and this is sort of the, the point I wanted to make about about that, you know that this, the time stone exists. You know exactly what it can do. We just they just showed you. Um, so now all you, all you're left to wonder is, well, how do they get the time stone back to undo all this? And yeah, that's a movie onto itself. But you know they're going to do it. So it's like, does that does that short circuit your enjoyment of future stuff? Uh, I mean, that's, that's an interesting way to look at it is that the commercial aspect of it, like planning these films, you know, that they have to do so far in advance, 
is a spoiler to the plot of the movie. <laughs> and it's funny that Game of Thrones like messes with that expectation in audiences' heads. Yeah. You know, when Sean Bean shows up on the set or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Game of Thrones uh, is perfectly willing to throw out the book because there isn't any canon to that exists. I mean, the best thing that ever happened to Game of Thrones was they beat George Martin. <laughs> to, to tell the story because now it's like holy shit who knows what's going to happen and that's a <laughs> thrilling experience i but even even let's pretend for a second that we didn't know any of these movies were coming out we didn't know who was truly safe or not you still know that that macguffin of that gauntlet can do anything it can bend reality it can undo time yeah if this was galactus that you know he had come down and he had you know wiped out half the earth and they they pulled you know silver surfer was involved and somehow they they stopped galactus from wiping out half the earth, you know, the whole earth, but half the earth was gone. That would be a totally different thing. Cause there's not some magical glove that can just undo it all. It would be like, Holy shit. Like, how are they going to get out of this? It would be much more. I'd be, I'd be sitting on the edge of my seat for a year instead of going, well, that clearly this is going to get undone this way. And it's just a matter of, you know, who's going to die in the process of making it happen. And so, it, uh, oh, yeah, go ahead. So I was, I mean, um, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but they. Uh, I, I, one thing I wanted to come back to at some point was you had said, uh, maybe maybe you said this earlier, maybe you said it offline, what's been a long podcast, but you said uh, uh, if they had gone with the ending in the book. And what did you mean by that? Okay. So, and somebody else had mentioned this. Um, this is not a, an original idea, but if they had somehow re... You couldn't do it with the beats that were there, but if they had sort of reworked the ending a little bit so that the final snip, the finger snap was was more sort of led up to and didn't just happen immediately. Um, I imagine, if you will, like he assembles the gauntlet and then there's like maybe he maybe he leaves right away. Maybe he goes back to Titan and he's standing there and they're all like, Well, where did he go? What's gonna happen? And it shows him on Titan and he like he, you know, he's basking in the in the sort of the glory of finally having succeeded, and he snaps his fingers. And it just goes to black. And the very next thing you see is directed by Anthony and Joe Russo. Like, mm. imagine that. Because then you're like, you know what the whole point of this was. You know he's going to wipe out half the universe. You see him physically do the thing. I mean, they talked about it twice. So like, he's just going to snap his fingers. You see him snap his fingers and just goes to black. That would have been truly ballsy. Because then you're left yeah. to go, well, who the hell dies and who the hell lives? Like, oh well, my God, I have to know. And it just, it would have been I a totally different dynamic. I don't think that the normal audience would have known what that meant. So it would have mm -hmm. been sort of like an inside baseball, like, you know, kind of like you would have to, you, it would require all these people figuring that out and talking to nerds. No, but, yes and no, because but they, it, they would, just would have had, it would have that cliffhanger kind of game of Thrones thing where you're like, Oh my God, we got to wait a year to find out what that means. Like they would, it would have found out that might've been a really great viral campaign. Like people would have realized. Yeah. But, yeah, but I think I think they could have threatened. I mean, they they clearly mentioned the fact that once he assembles the gauntlet, he can wipe out half the universe. Yeah, they mentioned a couple times that he just has to snap his fingers to do it. I think they could have threaded that a little deeper to make the regular view, viewer understand what was happening, and they could have played up to it a little bit more. I just think that would have been because you you the the not knowing is half of the is half of the suspense, and when you know okay, these are the characters who are going to die. They're all going to be brought back to life, you know, in somehow, some way. And, and even if you say, well, maybe they're all not going to be brought back. It's like, well, yeah, but why, why play that thought experiment now when you know it could easily be just as, it could just as easily be everybody as half, half as everybody. Well, and they could have, they probably could have like split the difference there and shown, you know, Bucky turn into dust and yeah. a, a couple of other people like, and then, and then maybe like panned out and just seen like, you know, half the population, 
on earth start turning to dust mm-hmm. and you know and then then it goes to credits and mm-hmm. you're left not knowing like which specific heroes it happened to but but yeah you're right i mean you're right it does that is that is interesting that the and it's and it's <laughs> their baggage. commercial plans have undone this and it's baggage right so like they're they're stuck with the baggage of being this successful yeah. and you know as just a regular passerby you know that there's you know spider-man's clearly they they've said before spider-man's coming back you know it's like they're it, it's all set up for you but they're always they're also sort of stuck with the baggage of the comics knowing this is a the infinity gauntlet was built to do this it's the MacGuffin, but guess what it's the most powerful MacGuffin in the world that can undo anything and if it if there was if there was something if you know, if it was firmly understood that like once he snapped his fingers that all the you know Dragon Ball Z style all the all the infinity gems and you know like immediately like rose up in the air and like you know separated into different parts of the universe or something that would have been like oh shit now they have to go back and find some or all of them like if there was a way that I knew it wouldn't it would be you know very impossible to to undo all this but it's you clearly see him with the gauntlet go through his portal and he goes to his his wherever his farm is. Um, and then you're like, okay, I, I guess, I don't know. I just, I really wish this is, this movie would have been so much more like just mind blowing if, if that wasn't a certainty, you know, if there was some way, if there was some ending that just left a lot more suspense and I just, I wish they had gone down that road, but that's again, I'm, I feel like I'm in the minority on this point. A lot of people have, have, have bristled against this thought. And I, I, you know, I understand that, but I just, I really, I think there could have been an opportunity for something even more, especially with 10 years of buildup. Like they could have found another way to make this just as suspenseful. So I think um, to lead off of that, like I think what's, you know, what, what we've got next on the slate is Ant-Man and Wasp. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm guessing that takes place before the events of Infinity War, you know, and they've sort of explained that Scott, why Scott's not with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's on house arrest. Uh, <clears throat> so I'm, I'm kind of assuming that's sort of outside this timeline. Then we've got Captain Marvel, who is, you know, she is the post-teaser or or, or post-credits, like, stinger. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's her symbol that appears on uh, Nick Fury's uh, old-school pager, Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) which was really awesome, but definitely not what I thought the post-credits, you know, stinger was going to be about. Like, I actually thought we might get a little bit more story- Ah, you know, Marvel's done such a good job of actually teasing their next movie, not necessarily the one in that series. Yeah. So that her movie comes out in March. Um, we know it's going to have some origin stuff because Nick Fury's been on the set in uh, old school, two-eyed Nick Fury costume, mm-hmm. like with mm-hmm. hair, mm-hmm. and uh, and she's in an older uniform. Um, and then we get the next Avengers movie, and then Spider-Man's after that. So Guardians of the Galaxies after that. Yeah. So I kind of wonder like, you know, uh, I mean, obviously they're going to have, they're going to, you know, all of this will be resolved in, mm-hmm. in the next Avengers movie. We just don't know exactly what that is. And I don't think, um, oh yeah. Yeah. So we know Guardians is coming out in 2020. It, uh, I just, I guess we just don't have a date yet or something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Black Panther 2 is coming. Like, oh, this is all coming. Like they're yeah. negotiating with Ryan Coogler right now for Black Panther 2. So it's and and somebody has aptly pointed out, you know, there's a reason why the original team is left standing with, you know, Okoye and Rocket and Nebula mm-hmm. sort of filling the gaps um for the other teams, but there's there's probably a reason why they're left around. And may, and my theory is this. Maybe they can't reassemble the gauntlet 
per se, you know, they've left that forge is back up and running and they could go to the, they could go to Dinklage and have him make a new one, you know, human size one anytime they want. Um, but there's, we've already seen in guardians, it's not necessarily possible for a regular person to, to use any of the stones, you know, singly or, you know, uh, especially together. Yeah. So maybe it's such that the original team, I, you know, somebody's mentioned, well, Steve Rogers is going to wear the gauntlet and he'll sacrifice himself. I think it'd be much cooler if Steve, Tony, Bruce, Thor, Black mm. Widow, and Hawkeye. That's six, right? Not Hawkeye. Come on. Get rid but of that's, that's the original six, isn't it? Am I missing <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. anybody? And there's six stones. What if they all have to like hold hands guardian style and hold the stone to, to basically do it, but they know they're going to die in the process? Yeah. I, I, it's, it, I would say that is a, a very likely outcome. Like the, the reason the original team is standing is because they are going to be the ones to sacrifice in order to bring back everyone that's been lost here. And that and will be, and that will be earned. Right. So if that should yeah, come totally. to pass, like I'll feel like I'll feel the opposite as I do now. It's like, Oh, that's because that will feel final. That'll be like, they're gone now. They can't, yeah. they can't come back. They brought everybody else. And, and that, and maybe that in hindsight will make this all feel a little bit better. Um, but I wish that's not how a movie should work. It should be like, it should stand on the merits of just in this moment in time, this is where we are. And I shouldn't have all this other knowledge and fourth knowledge and baggage <laughs> and knowledge of the MacGuffin. It's just like, whether you're paying attention to the the business of it or not, you still know that the possibility exists to undo everything that we just saw. So it's just like, I wish, I don't know. I, I, if we ever get to a Galactus as the big bad sort of Avengers team up, I'm curious how that's going to feel compared to this, like, you know, 10 years, if we, if, if that's the the next version of Avengers that we get, um, boy, wouldn't it be great if they actually developed three dimensional super villains and then <laughs> like, can we just get Ryan Coogler to write all the Marvel movies from now on? Oh, seriously. So they actually just have like human stakes and three dimensional villains. And, you know, we're, t- we're torn in the story rather well, than don't, like, all Don't just give that to Ryan Coogler. Remember, Michael Keaton did a really great job as Vulture. Like Dude, that was the course. first Marvel villain where I'm like, oh my god, this! And then Ryan Coogler did it again. Yeah, yeah, but just no more cosmic entities and bullshit like that. That is so uninteresting. Like well, if we you get know, Doctor Doom, that could be interesting. Hordes of uh, yeah, maybe uh, maybe Venom's gonna set the whole oh, crazy right. <laughs> Nobody wants that. <laughs> I mean, I'm actually interested in this Venom movie. It looks, I think the way Hardy's doing it, it looks cool, but that's, we don't need to incorporate that. It's just, we've got too much already. <laughs> well, <laughs> would you, um, is there further reading that you would recommend people do? Yes, uh, okay. absolutely. So, so there's obviously we mentioned the infinity gauntlet book on Marvel. I think it's like a buck or two on Amazon. If you want the digital version, if you want the physical version, that's good too. I'm just going to say the infinity gauntlet book is not that great. Um, it's got some interesting story stuff, but it's very, very early nineties. Yeah, totally agree. It's, it's all the cosmic bullshit I've railed against. And it's just a lot of posturing and standing around and proclaiming. And you're just like, Oh fuck. Like it's, it's whatever. But it's, if you want a little backstory, if you want some context, it's good. I would argue though, that the better thing you should read is Thanos wins, which is a series that just Uh, wrapped up. Yeah. Um, and I've been keeping an eye on it. It's a Marvel series. Um, there, I think there's a couple different trade paperbacks now. I think they're up to maybe volume three. I would read that. That is a much more apt uh, through through line to the comics because you get a lot of, of Thanos backstory. You get his; it, it matches the character that Josh Bullen's created a lot more closely than anything we've seen before. Um, I just I love that. I love that line. There's actually a there's kind of a, a shout out to you know early on we see the Hulk fight Thanos and he's 
horribly humiliated and, and basically terrified to come back out again. There's sort of a shout out to that in Thanos wins. That's interesting. Hmm. Um, makes me wonder if they didn't sort of tee one off the other or vice versa. So I would definitely read that. And then there's also um, a good run. I mentioned it previously. Jonathan Hickman, my boy, actually invented the Black Order. And I would just search for any of the Hickman um, Avenger titles or Hickman titles that have Thanos in them to see uh, where the where those characters sort of uh, originated, how how the movie versions compared to the the comics versions, and just see more context there too. I, I I apologize, I can't give any issue numbers or book titles. I think there's a couple different ones that you can look at. I there's also an Infinity uh, War series, and there's an Infinity Crusade, and I I don't know what you should read. And I would say I would say don't even bother with Gauntlet. Like, I it's <laughs> not. Great. I mean, I but that's a personal bias. I like I said, I don't care. Like this is uh, the '90s comics trying to tell these sci-fi stories in a way that like makes myth of the Marvel universe. You know, I mean, make, like literally talks about it as myth and. I, it's, it's, I, that is the least interesting part of superheroes when you give them godlike powers and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, and they go I, overboard well, too, like, right? He, he basically beats everybody, the Eternals, like he locks them all up in some kind of like mind ridiculous. jail. It's, it's, it, yeah. And the way they, the only thing I would say is if you're interested in possibilities for how they could, um, undo all of yeah. this, Infinity Gauntlet might have some clues. Right. I agree. Um, yeah, yeah. If you're looking for clues for the Avengers movies, great. But it's not like, uh, you know, required reading kind of stuff. So, woo, buddy. That was that a long was, one. That was a long podcast. <laughs> I figured it would be. We should I split it in two and then. <laughs> no, let's just do it in one day. Put, one okay. day. Part one comes out this week. Part two will come out next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we'll split <laughs> And we'll split it just at the most random part. We'll split it right where where I uh, where the black we had a bit of an audio hiccup uh, during the Black Panther or the Wakanda <laughs> discussion. We'll just stop it right there. Um, so uh, in the meantime, where can people find this podcast? You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Pocket Casts, wherever podcasts are found. Search for Coffee and Comics. There's a couple different titles there, but we're the one with Todd and Taylor with the better artwork. To be honest with you, um, <laughs> Coffee and Comics. I am by Taylor Trask on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm Hey Todd A on Twitter and Instagram. And until next week, uh, we have Todd and Taylor. Here.